0: Welcome to the Nip-Tuck Coach Radio, your cosmetic surgery connection. Join cosmetic surgery Nip-Tuck Coach beauty expert and author of Safety First, A Consumer Guide to Cosmetic Surgery, Michelle Garber, your host of the Nip-Tuck Radio Show. Michelle's goal is to empower listeners and help them make safe cosmetic surgery procedure choices. This fun and lively show explores the world of beauty and cosmetic surgery and features expert guests on a variety of topics, no hype. Your host, Michelle Garber, is here today to help you navigate the confusing world of cosmetic surgery.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Michelle Garber, your host, and welcome to another episode of NipTuck Talk Radio. We are broadcasting from beautiful San Francisco. If you don't know me, I'm founder of NipTuck Coach, an independent cosmetic procedure consultancy, and I'm a patient advocate, and my goal is to help you navigate the confusing world of cosmetic procedures by keeping you safe and well-informed so that not only do you get a great result, but you get the best result. To create more consumer awareness for safety and beauty, I've written a comprehensive guide called Safety First, The Ten Golden Rules for Safe Cosmetic Surgery. And you can download that for free at my website, which is www.niptuckcoach.com. So we all want to look good. If we look good, we feel good. If we feel good, we look good. And it's a lifestyle. And as we age, our toolbox of cosmetic treatments changes. There's an array of treatments and products to choose from today, and I think we live in a very exciting time. And joining me this morning is Dr. Heidi Waldroff from New York, and we're going to talk about what goes into this toolbox and how it changes as we age. Good morning, Dr. Waldroff. How are you?
2: Good. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, thank you for being here over on the East Coast, West Coast
2: (laughs) The time is always
1: different. It's early for me here.
2: Midday for me, it's the perfect time to chat.
1: Right, right. Dr. Waldorf serves as an investigator, speaker, consultant, advisory board member, and trainer for major industry producers of medical devices and products, allowing her to participate in the development of treatment protocols and to offer her patients the latest treatments. She's been quoted in magazines such as Vogue, Allure, Elle, the Oprah, Oprah Magazine, In Style, People, Style Watch, Good Housekeeping, Real Simple, among others. She, Dr. Waldorf is a Director of Laser and Cosmetic Dermatology at the Mount Sinai Medical Center, New York, and Associate Clinical Professor in the Department of Dermatology at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine. And Dr. Waldorf has a private practice in both New York at Mount Sinai Medical Center, and Nanuet, New York, at Waldrop Dermatology and Laser Associates. So tell me, what is the age range of patients that you see in your practice?
2: Well, as somebody myself nearing 50 uh, within months, I, most of my patients Congratulations. Are- Thank you very much, and it is something uh to be happy about when patients say aging is uh is is difficult. They always say yes, but it's better than the alternative and right. I think for my generation, a lot of women coming in and men are in their mid-40s into their 50s because many of the non-invasive procedures that we now have readily available were not available um, 10 or 20 years ago. We are now seeing more and more younger people coming in in their 20s and into their early 30s saying what should I be doing now um, both preventively and to fix the issues that have already happened and We know that's really going to be the future, is starting earlier, not because you want to look different, but to maintain the way you look and maintain looking fresh for your age.
1: So when you see a patient that comes in who's, let's say, in their 20s or early 30s, what are some of the, I don't want to use the word complaints, but but what bothers them? What are some of the areas that bother them, and then how do you treat them because they're young? I know I have, I have a daughter in, in her early thirties. You know, I look at her face and she's got such a beautiful baby face still that if she said to me, "Oh, I think I want to do a little Botox, or I want to do this, or I want to do that," I, I would look at her and say, "Wow, I don't really see anything well, that you would need except good skincare think and good things, about- good sunblock."
2: And that you just hit the nail on the head because, for example, for someone like me who is a second generation dermatologist, I grew up with one side of my family having my father a dermatologist and my mother's side having redheads and fair skin people who traditionally kept their skin um, protected. So from both sides, I had sun protection from the time I was born. We also had no smokers in the family uh, for generations, so I was never inhaling cigarette smoke, and I never wanted to smoke cigarettes. So having that, which it sounds like your daughter probably had also, you're going into that period of your 20s and 30s without having already started the damage. On the other hand, many... uh, People coming in in their 20s and 30s used tanning salons when they were younger. They got lots of sun, ultraviolet sun outside, whether it was laying at the beach or doing sports without protection. Many of them may have gone through a period of cigarette smoking. And now they're already looking to make things right, to get better habits going and to fix some of the damage. The earliest signs we tend to see are some of the lines, for example, the crow's feet are one area, the glabellar lines, those frown lines are another area, Um, plus we get discoloration from sun, and you can already see some of the cute freckles that may have (laughs) disappeared every, every fall and winter, After the time in the sun coming back, and we see those and sticking around, and we can also see those changes on the neck and chest already. Um, How quickly you see those changes has to do with how much damage you've had already, as well as genetic factors. You know, are you someone who's always been squinting? Um, Are you someone who, uh, you know, has? been very thin and so you're having some um loss of fat early in areas. Um do you have uh larger orbits um uh orbital hollows so that even in your in your twenties you look like you had dark circles under your eyes. So some of those things are anatomic that are genetics and some of them are from the environment and they work they build together.
1: So you you talk about lifestyle and and I use the word toolbox. Um what is in the the toolbox for that age group that you
2: strongly well, recommend? I, I well, number 1 I recommend sun protection. And sun protection is not just about sunscreen. Um to really use sunscreen appropriately, you have to put a lot on and you have to reapply it frequently. And while that can be done. It's often difficult if you like to be outdoors. Um, wearing um, some protective clothing and hats are very helpful, and it doesn't mean you have to walk around like a Bedouin. There are many companies now that make wonderful rash guards. You know, those are those surf, cool surfer swim guard t-shirts. The kids today are growing up wearing them. They buy bathing suits that match them. There are um, companies that make uh, lightweight sun protective tops, for bicycling, for running, for um, for sailing. Um, people have to know that these are things they need. In the toolbox, I always like to make sure that people also have some kind of sun protection they can throw in there, if it's a woman in their purse, if it's a guy in their pocket. There are now excellent sunscreen sticks that can be used, and one of the most um, uh, one of the best invita- innovations in the last uh, decade in sunscreen has been powder sunscreen, because with powder, powder? sunscreen, oh, even a oh, woman the
1: ones you put on your face,
2: yes, like, um... and, and it doesn't have a deep color. It's usually a sheer powder, um, and in a and it comes in a um, comes in a retractable brush, and that way, even a woman who has makeup on can put it on. And you can, if you suddenly find yourself outside at lunchtime, you can put more on, you can put it on your shoulders, um, your chest, uh, wherever it's going to be, you're going to have additional exposure. Um, So I think protecting not only your face but protecting the rest of you has to be part of that toolbox. The next thing is cigarettes. Um, It's uh, really uh, unfortunate that cigarette smoking is still prevalent, especially amongst young women. Um, it's used as a way of of, uh, not gaining weight. It's used um, just as as a a social, um, uh, you know, a little uh, social tool. And that's something that really uh, people have to recognize that every time they are lifting up that cigarette to their lips, even if they're just smoking one or two cigarettes at a bar, you know, a few times a month, they need to know that that's cutting off the oxygen to the skin, building up free radicals, which lead to inflammation, to carcinogenesis, and to wrinkles. I would also say in this age group a very common problem we see are uh, particularly women, but also men, developing acne. That, and they say they've never had acne before, and suddenly they have acne. It probably has to do with hormonal shifts, environmental shifts, and we see a lot of excoriators' acne or acne excoriate, pickers' acne, and that can make the acne worse as well as spreading it and causing scarring. So I also recommend if you start to get acne, it's, you're not able to get it under control easily with over-the-counters. It's worth seeing a dermatologist and nipping it in the bud and keeping your hands away from it. Um, another lifestyle issue are big weight fluctuations. When anybody has huge weight fluctuations, um, that's going to have an effect on how well the skin will will bounce back afterwards. You know, we're seeing more and more people getting lap bands um, and needing that total body reduction surgery. But it can also happen with the face. So keeping weight fluctuations less, um, less wide is a good idea. Also, extreme weight loss and very low body fat doesn't end up doing so well in later years. So I think... Uh, having some more moderation in terms of that is helpful.
1: So I wanted to um, ask you a couple things. What is your opinion? I, I had read, I don't know, not too long ago, that um, some of the fine lines that we're seeing around <clears throat> around our mouth area, even in non-smokers, is because we drink those water bottles and
2: that we should be using straws. What's your opinion about that? Well, actually, a straw is going to be worse because a straw, you have to <laughs> suction. So any repetitive movement um, as the skin ages is going to cause those lines. Um, I, have, uh, I have several nurses in my, um, my uh, Nanuet office who have never had any Botox or Dysport or Xeomin and have no lines between their brows. Why is that? Because they've never made that movement. They've never been squinters so i will sit with someone and as they talk if they talk pursing their lip a lot that can explain those lines cigarette smoking accentuates it not only from the puckering aspect but also because of the um damage that is most heavily concentrated in that local area from the um toxins in the um uh in the cigarettes uh Water bottles. You know, we want people to remain um, remain well hydrated. Uh, how you do it, you know, if you are going to be constantly um, pursing your lips, that's going to be an issue. Um, if you can then pour it into a glass, great. Um, the thing I hear even more with people drinking water bottle uh, drinking water constantly is that they complain of their dry lips, and they think that they've become immune from to their lip balm or their lip balm is causing it. And that's not the case. It's just that they're drinking water constantly, and any time you apply water to the skin, it evaporates and it dries. So ideally, just as in an ideal world, you'd wash your hands and put hand cream on, ideally every time you took a sip of something uh, liquid, you would put um, some lip protectant on. I see.
1: So when they say that you're addicted to chapstick or lip protective,
2: what is that about? you're not addicted, it's just that you're probably drinking fluid a lot or you're a mouth breather and your, your lips get dry, and so then you're using your chapstick a lot. For many of those patients, they need to have something heavier to use, something with more of a petrolatum or shea butter base that's going to be more moisturizing and overnight have something thicker on. We frankly use a lot of uh, an ointment that's originally used for cow which so they don't get chapped. And it's good for lips, too. So I think there's, um, it's all about maintenance, keeping your skin in good shape. On that note, another thing are the basics of cleansing. You know, people come in and they, they're worried about what anti-aging products they should use, and they're not cleansing properly. They're drying out their skin. You know, barring a few um, unusual circumstances, you don't need an antibacterial cleanser or a a deodorant cleanser for your face and body. You can use something very gentle. You know, Dove is the classic, um, but Dove and Olay um, both make products that are very gentle and replenishing for the skin and strip less moisture. And the minute you get out of the shower or washing, seal that skin because if you're an intact moist an intact skin barrier is always going to look more useful and be more supple. And soft than a non intact barrier. And you don't want to wait until your skin is chapped or itchy or irritated to start taking care of it. Also, once your skin barrier is intact, then you can use your anti aging products. In terms of what to start in a cosmeceutical regimen beyond sun protection in your toolbox, one of the first things I'll add for patients is a topical antioxidant. Because a topical antioxidant, um, we know, may help your skin protect itself. If someone's going to use something once a day, I'll have them put it on in the morning with their sunscreen because then it's helping you as you go out and about into the world, um, helping quench some of the damage that's going on um, as you are exposed to the environment. As we move on, we may add um, an exfoliating ingredient, something like one of the alpha-hydroxy, polyhydroxy, or bionic acids, or a retinoid. Now we know that retinoids have more data in terms of their effects both on aged skin and photo aged skin in terms of improving it. However, some people have sensitive skin, particularly if you live in a place like New York where we have almost no humidity during a good portion of the year. And so we don't want people to overuse things that are gonna irritate their skin. So depending on the patient's skin quality, um, we will determine which is the best way to go. There are other ingredients that also help. There are other um, botanical ingredients um, that have anti inflammatory and antioxidant um, and pro collagen effects peptides there are specific peptides that are helpful. There are growth factors, and there are a range of products that can be helpful. but you don't need twenty two products. <laughs> you need to find the things that work well for you um and so I look at what this age the, would
1: you recommend? to start a retinol product?
2: Well, I think it depends on your skin. You know, there are people who grew up with acne who have been using retinoids from the early days. Um, if you've had some sun damage and or and if your skin is not terribly irritated, you can start it. You can keep using it. You can't use retinoids when you are pregnant, but otherwise, it's a good basic. Now, I have very sensitive skin, um, very dry skin, And not a whole lot of damage. So I don't use a retinoid. I will say I'm probably one of the only um, female dermatologists I know who doesn't use a retinoid. (laughs) Um, But I just, I get irritated and itchy. So for me, I'm using more of the, I'll use some of the polyhydroxy and um, bionic acids that are even less irritated, than the AHAs. And I use topical products that have um non-retinoid, non-exfoliating um ingredients at other times. So
1: now what can women do about their neck and décolleté to preventatively and then as they move through the process of aging because that's the hardest I think to treat. And you know, we we some of us we take good care of our of our face and we use all these products and so we've neglected our chest.
2: I, I agree, and I think one of the um, biggest things everybody can do is to start treating your neck and chest the way you treat your face. It's something at a young that age. European, at a young age. It's something that European women do automatically. French women uh, grow up watching their mothers putting on, having a beauty ritual that includes applying things to their face, their neck, and their decolletage. That really isn't something that um, U.S. women uh, have jumped on early on. So it's something we need to learn. And I tell my patients to use every product that I've told them for their face, they can use on their neck and chest. Um, Sometimes they can't tolerate some of the products that might be more drying because your neck and chest have fewer oil glands, sebaceous units, than your face. But otherwise, do everything the same and put some on your hands. I grew up watching my mom put um, retinoids on her hands under moisturizer before bed, and she had beautiful hands.
1: Yeah, it because that's another area that ages very quickly. I mean, you can have beautiful skin exposure. on your face, and and your hands as you age look
2: look terrible. Well, 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 the major reason is the environment, and people aren't taking care of their hands. Again, even using a good hand cream on a daily basis, it doesn't have to be expensive. Something that can seal. And moisturize the hands, your hands will look better. Patients are often shocked when I'll just take some moisturizer, rub it on their arm and their hands in seconds. Their hand just looks the area looks younger than the other side because it is just from the sheer moisturization, forgetting about any anti-aging ingredients, the skin is softer, more supple, and has better light reflection.
1: So what I hear you saying is, use whatever you use on your face. Put it on your neck and your decollete.
2: And your hands. Put the and, leftover, and rub your, your hands, hands. the top of your hands together. Usually I'll tell people if you're using a, um, a serum or something you have to pump to get it out, usually I tell people to use the makeup artist trick and put it on, if you're a righty, put it on the top of your left hand and then scoop it up to apply it. Then you don't lose as much product. And then whatever's left on your hands, rub the tops of the two hands together. It's a nice trick, and you're not using extra product.
1: So then as we move down and you're in your 40s and your 50s and entering into your 60s, let's do the 50s and the 60s.
2: What goes in the toolbox? How does it change? I think think one of the major changes that even people who've had oily skin when they were younger, their skin tends to be drier, and they usually have to bump up some of this moisturization um, to use very often it's the same ingredients just in a heavier base patients frequently say to me oh is it time i should be using a serum and what i say is it's not whether it's a serum or not it has to do with the ingredients because saying serum is like saying skirt it doesn't tell you if it's a wool skirt if it's a cotton skirt if it's a long skirt a short skirt it just says skirt and there are uh products that have the same ingredients that can be in a in a serum, in a lotion, in a cream, in an oil, in a solution. And so you need to find what works best for your skin quality, meaning your skin being dry or oily or combination. And you'll know based on how your skin feels afterwards. As we get older and depending on the amount of, um, of damage we've had plus genetics, we add procedures. So younger women, we may do light peels, whether the light peels are done with a laser or with um, chemical peels. And then as we get older, we may need procedures that are going to have more tightening effects. And we can use those procedures, again, whether it's deeper fractionated lasers, um, radio frequency, or ultrasound to tighten. And, as, and we can tweak along the line with some filler. Often people will say, well, I didn't know if it was too early to come in. And if you are doing things in a subtle, um, a subtle appropriate fashion where you are following the patient's anatomy to try to replenish what's been lost or just improve facial shape and contours, you can start as early as you start seeing those defects. And then you don't get into your 40s and 50s and suddenly need to have a large procedure. Now, so some if somebody that has done nothing, being... I'm sorry? No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say that if someone has done nothing at all and they present to me in their, you know, depending on the amount of damage they've had anywhere from their uh, mid to late 50s into their 70s, at a certain point, the only thing that's going to be helpful is surgery because the amount of non-invasive procedures even that we would have to do, even if we combined everything we do, we're not going to get to that level of surgery, that surgery will. So I will tell those patients to go have their consultation with the plastic surgeon or facial plastic surgeon or oculoplastic surgeon, get the um, excess skin taken care of, and then come back, and then we can do... Uh, more textural and um, volumetric improvement.
1: But if you started earlier,
2: you can keep tweaking, and then you may be able to, our goal is to be able to avoid surgery.
1: So what you're saying is then, at least what I hear you saying, is that if you start early, you take care of your skin, use the proper products, sunblock, retinoids, antioxidants, and even if you need a little bit Botox or you need a little bit filler because of genetics or um, various different reasons, that as you age, you're going to need less product or less, um, say, less fillers, less Botox if you started earlier than if you've yes. never done anything and you're in your 60s and 70s. Is it
2: because... It
1: is. Well, explain why. From a well,
2: it's because, like anything, um, if you think of tailoring a dress over time, if you tailor a little bit at a time, you're going to over time as your body changes. Then you don't have to make a vast change. If you have a dress and you don't put it on for 20 years and you try to put it on again, there will likely be some major change that would have to be made. I think with your um with the way we look, we just have to have in mind what changes are made. Now, life events will make a big change. If someone suddenly has um uh a major stressor medically or emotionally, so an illness or um that makes you suddenly lose a lot of weight or uh or drains you in terms of uh your normal um ability to turn your cells over, et cetera, that is going to make a change, and then you may need more suddenly. so what I tell my patients is i 'm following their face i 'm following their skin, and this way we can change face. the we can change things and tweak things as we see them and as I will tell ha- them when it's time they will many of my patients will go you'll tell me when I need the surgery right you 'll tell me when we can't do this any just do this anymore like you betcha, so
1: have you followed patients to a point where they've you've you've seen them when they're in their i don't know thirties or forties and and then you're following them and now they're in their fifties and they still look great and and they're thinking, "Oh well, maybe I need a little nip and a little tuck here, especially around my my jowl area, and you really see that because they've been taking care of themselves.
2: That they really don't need it? Well, I will say, I think I've seen both ways because I've been in practice almost 20 years now, and we've had um, many of our procedures, you know, have been getting better and better. Some things we haven't had, you know, I would say around 2000 is when we started getting more and more of the uh, really great non invasive things. And I certainly see patients who started with just a little, you know, in addition to a good cosmeceutical regimen. Um, we started with a little talk, Botox, for example, um, and then we were able to continue to give them a brow lift with some Botox. Then they come in and they say, you know what, the Botox isn't giving me the lift it used to give. And I look at them and I say, you know what, it's because you've lost a lot of, um, you started losing fat and bone in the upper face, and we have to add some filler there. And we do that. And then we get to a point where I say, you know what, I we've maintained you longer with this, but... Um, I think you know it's the skin quality. We need to do some tissue tightening, and we'll do that. And then we might get to a point where I say, you know what? If you're willing to go have your eyes done, this would be a great time to do it, because then we can continue to maintain you. But you, we need to. T- we, I can't do more non-invasively. And then I have other patients who have said they will not have surgery no i mean no matter what they will not have surgery and i look at them over the past 2 decades with the procedures that we've done and they still look better today than they did at the at the beginning could they now they may still have been surgical candidates but if they didn't want surgery we've still be, been able to make them uh maintain and rejuvenate their appearance now, what about
1: the rest of your body and and as a dermatologist, you know, um you also take a look at the skin as a whole, not just dealing with the face and 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 as we age our our skin gets very thin. So what well, our skin changes, things?
2: and I think one again, one of the big issues is how much sun you've had because um, my nearing 99-year-old grandmother still has skin that is soft as a baby's butt everywhere. (laughs) And she never had sun on any of those areas, and she's always moisturized. And her skin, she's very lucky. She has no um, psoriasis or ichthyosis or any of the conditions that would make the skin um, more... Uh, scaly. She has not had leg uh, venous disease, vein, disease of the veins of the leg, which can lead to stasis dermatitis and damage it. And if you take care of your skin on the whole body throughout your life, you can keep it looking good and feeling good. We do have the kinds of procedures we do now. We can do more off the face. Um, we can now treat sun damage um, on the, as I mentioned, the chest, the back, the arms much more easily. The legs are still the most difficult area um, because of blood return. Um, legs, especially, well, a lot of people have uh, even mild uh, venous disease. And if you've ever nicked yourself shaving or just banged yourself on your leg, you'll see it takes a lot longer to heal and may leave a brown spot or a red spot for you know months to years. And people need to um, understand that. It's not as quick a fix as when we're dealing with the face.
1: so I speak to a lot of women who really complain about their arms, that they say, you know, that their skin is really thinning on, on their arms and they cover it all the time because they just
2: don't like the way it looks. Can
1: you turn that back a little we bit? We can improve that. We can improve that
2: with, again, fractionated laser resurfacing is quite helpful for, for the arms repeat with repeated treatments again we have to go more gradually than we do for example on the face because the skin uh, off the face does not heal as quickly um, or as well as on the face but in addition um, we need to uh, keep in mind that once there is damage that once done can't be reversed so when you see younger people remind them about their face about their arms Um, you know all of these women who say, well, I get, I'll, I'm just getting a tan on my arms uh, or my legs, or I just need a little color there, they need to accept that that's going to be a source of, um, of uh, some more aging as they get older. And their skin will look thinner and be less, um, will be uh, less attractive.
1: So some of us, including myself, have I've always had a lot of freckles, always, mm-hmm. and and um, I don't tan, even when I I burn. So I I don't go out in the sun though I probably you know I probably did when I was younger, um, like a
2: little girl it's probably and, less than you might have because you didn't want to burn.
1: Right, right. I think I had a couple really bad sunburns mm-hmm. that I remember, um, but some. People are just freckled. My kids are freckled.
0: And,
2: and that's not a bad thing. Freckling, you know, a lot of people who are type 1 skin get freckles because they are, you know, genetically predisposed and the li- any small amount of sun from their childhood is freckles. I mean, the joke is that there are people who will come into the office and describe themselves as being somebody who tans. And when you look at them, you realize it's just they're not tanning. They're just connecting their freckles. Because they just are someone who really will burn, and over time will will uh, they, they tend to just get more and more freckles. And there's no danger to the freckles themselves. And I think it's it's really impossible to remove all of them, and why should you? They are part of who you are. Um, one of the nice things about some of the modern um, treatments we have is that, as one of my nurses likes to say, we can get rid of the age spots and leave the cute freckles. Um <laughs> And and that's, we don't want you to look like somebody else. We want our patients to look like them. And um, I just think it's, if you are someone who freckles or your child is, tends to freckle, don't worry about the freckles, but do bump up the sun protection because it's just people who freckle are at higher risk of skin cancer because it's a sign of how light your skin is and how little protection it has.
1: So it really is a lifestyle
2: choice, everything. Definitely a lifestyle choice, and it is doable. As I tell my patients when they come in and say, well, I couldn't help it, I was in Aruba, I will roll up my sleeves and say, well, you know what, I was just hiking in New Zealand or I was, you know, kayaking in Ecuador or running a marathon in Bordeaux, and I came back this color. And I don't expect my patients to be able to do it as... um, vigilantly as i do but i know it can be done
1: so do you suggest that if you are on vacation in a in an area that there's a lot of hot sun um and you run the risk of burning or you know tanning that you cover your body completely yes. with
2: wear long Definitely. sleeves i mean there is no question um you know, I if I'm in the Caribbean and I want to go paddleboarding, I have a rash guard. I know that my legs I can cover with sunscreen and reapply it. And because of the angle of the sun, I tend to be okay with um, with that. Now, if I were someone who if I were out snorkeling all day, and it was going to be all day, midday, then I might want to wear uh, um, swim you know swimming leggings. But you have to you have to know your risk and you also have to remember that if you're in a climate like that and you're underneath an umbrella, there's light reflection. And the light reflection from the sand, from the beach will get to you under the umbrella also.
1: That's a So really you still excellent
2: need to protect point. yourself. Yeah, and so and big hats are helpful. Remember, baseball caps were developed to shield the baseball player's eyes from the sun, from glare. They were not protect, set up to protect your face, and they don't protect the ears or the sides of the face. Um, but luckily these days, with all of the various companies out there, I, there are so many non um uh, non-medical companies that make sun-protective, stylish sun-protective clothing and hats, that it's it's not such a tragedy to do it. And when people say to me they're very worried they're going to be hot, my response is that you're actually less hot if the sun is not being absorbed as heat into your skin. If you're wearing some lightweight ventilated top, you will be less hot. Do you have a few
1: favorites that you could share with us?
2: Well, yes. Um, I mean, some various companies. I love Salumbra uh, or Sun Precautions is the company that makes the Salumbra fabric, and they have their super athlete full zip shirt that's a go-to that I like. It's it's an easy one to just, you know, sort of keep in a bag or in the car if you're running running around or you're going running. Um, The company Athleta um has great things for women that are not cut for teenagers. J Crew has wonderful um rash guards and things, but you know, once you're a woman of a certain age, you may not be able to fit their cut. So it's nice to have um companies like Athleta, um uh even Lululemon that make um make things that are cut better for um for adult women. Um Coolabar C O O L I B A R is another medical company um, with sun protective clothing, and uh, they have a lot of uh, hats and clothes that are appropriate for various um, activities. I recommend to people that as they you know pick something that has if they tend to be hot, pick something with ventilation. Um, the stretchy materials are great for when you're going to be in the water, um, and know that then it cuts down the number of times you have to reapply sunscreen under those covered areas.
1: I was just going to ask you that. Do you still need to apply sunscreen under I do apply your sunscreen clothing?
2: everywhere um because if if it's a top that I'm going to be taking off, but I don't have to keep reapplying it. You know, I might have sunscreen on um with a bathing suit, and I'm, I go down, you know, I'm going down to the water with a cover-up, and then I take my cover-up off and put the rash guard on. Again, this is, this is having, I think of this as having your gear, uh, just like people have all their sports equipment, or a physician has all her tools and instruments. You know, you have your sun protective stuff. If you, you know, I like certain sprays, like sun, uh, sunscreen sprays, for reapplying. They're great for throwing on if you're just running out in the morning. But if you know you're going to be at the beach all day, get that lotion or cream and rub it in really well all over. Um, and then use your spray to reapply. If somebody likes to, it tends to sweat and is worried about it getting in their eyes, there are lots of solids that are excellent as well as the powders that can be rubbed in and do not drip. And they can be and- reapplied also. Do you have a favorite sunblock? Um, My sunblock, some of my favorites for everyday wear, not for sport. I love Elta UV Clear, um, which has some niacinamide in it. It's very lightweight. Um, That same company makes Elta Lotion, which is a great lotion you can just rub in. Um, It comes in a pump, and it can be your moisturizer. Um, For reapplying, they make a, a zinc spray, which I like, the Elta Aero. For water-protective sun protection, my all-time favorite is Blue Lizard Sport. Um, blue Lizard is great because it also comes in a bottle that is an ultraviolet sensor. So it's a great learning tool when you're sitting in under an umbrella to pull it out from your bag where it's been white and see that it starts turning blue. Um, the same company, Blue Lizard, also makes Blue Lizard um, Kids which is, in, instead of a blue, it's in a pink bottle, and that one just has none of the chemical sunscreens. It has purely physical sunscreens. The powder I mentioned earlier is by Color Science, Color Science Unforgettable, and it's a great sheer powder that comes in a light, medium, or dark that can be applied by men or women and doesn't look like makeup, but it can be applied even over makeup. And it's great for someone who tends to sweat or has oily skin. And a lot of my golfer patients love it because then it doesn't change their golf swing because they're not having to rub anything on. For sticks, there's a company, Headhunter, which is a surfer company that has something called war paint in a little tin, and they also have a face stick that are great if you're out and about and you need something that's really going to go on and stay on and won't go into your eyes, but that you can also use to touch up other exposed areas. I've used it when bicycling, for my hands, um, for my knees, uh, in addition to my face. So I think those are some of my favorites in terms of sunblocks. I love uh, products that will let my patients enjoy using them so if a patient comes in and tells me that they have another sunscreen that they have found that they really like and it has the appropriate ingredients i'm happy to let them keep using it because the most important thing with any um sun protective clothing hat or product is that you use it regularly because it's not going to help you sitting on the shelf No.
1: Oh, this is great. Thank you for sharing your your list of favorites. Um, I really appreciate that. And what about, you know, some women think that the sunblock sometimes is mixed into their moisturizer and they go to the counter at Clinique and they buy an SPF uh, foundation or the foundation says it has SPF in it. I want to just touch base on I that. I am fine
2: with tinted sunblocks um, and sunscreens, I should say, but the problem is that women are not using those on their neck. They're not using them beyond the face. So one of the reasons that um, I have always favored, I favored this Elta UV Clear, is that it's a very lightweight um, moisturizing sunblock that can be put on first, and it's clear, and then you can use your BB cream, CC cream, tinted moisturizer or foundation in addition, rather than just relying on that one.
1: So then, you think it's okay, though, if a manufacturer at the department store says that their foundation has some sunblock, but they should really use sunblock under that I, as well? They,
2: for them to be able just to say it has an SPF, it would have to be tested, so if it has an SPF, it clearly was tested and, and has that SPF, assuming you're putting enough on. And it also only helps the areas that it's covering. So if, if you have put it on your face, it's going to help your face. But how many women really put it all the way to the sides of their um, jawline and onto their neck? And those are the areas that are often missed. We have a
1: few more minutes left and I just wanted to ask you very briefly about about black market products and what consumers should
2: really be wary of and how to get their products. Are we talking about black market prescription right. or cosmeceutical or injectable? No, products?
1: Cos- cosmeceutical.
2: Um you know, it's amazing to me um how many um uh products are Sold through alternative routes. Um, if you're talking about a product that is the actual product, but is being sold um, by an unauthorized um, uh, an unauthorized uh, distributor, then the major concern is how it's been stored and how it's been shipped is this something that has been in excessive heat or cold so that it's, you're not going to have the same activity? Have expiration dates been changed? Those are my, are my major concerns with anything. Now, when it comes to a non-prescription, pres, a non-prescription cosmeceutical product, the dangers are going to be less because it's less likely that um, if it's ineffective that that's going to be... Uh, problem for your health you just won't get the benefit of it it's more of a waste of money my concern though would be if it is not the actual product itself um you know even um among products there was uh a (coughs) of of um products that came through actual real distributors there have been um, uh, cases where topical steroids have been found uh in the products themselves there is a a product line that comes from New York, that um, from a facialist place that a lot of people go to, and it turned out that for a while, their rosacea product had steroids in it, and it wasn't listed. Ugh. And when they took the steroids out, as they had to, and they didn't announce it, patients started flaring up because they had steroid rosacea, and the minute they you stop it, suddenly the steroid, it gets worse, which is one of the reasons why they use the product continuously. And I've had patients who've had to come in and had, uh, you know, we've had to taper them off uh, topicals, get them on some, sometimes some orals, and then use some laser to clear this up. Um, so I think your best bet is to make sure that you're buying whatever you're buying from a good source. I think any of these products um, these days, there are so many manufacturers um selling to good distributors where you can get good prices, um, that whether you want to buy it directly from your physician or you go online, um, there are reputable places to purchase things from. So you just have to really be careful where you purchase products
1: from because I know there's a lot of black market products out there. And a lot right. of companies and I, but again it's have... a matter of
2: they counterfeit black product, are they actually the product just uh, being sold in an uh, unauthorized um, route. But, again, I think, you know, if you're going to spend your money on something, for the few more dollars, uh, make sure you're getting it from someplace where you know it's been handled correctly and that nothing else has been put into it.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Waldorf. This has been very, very informative and um I hope our listeners have found this to be informative and how can listeners get in touch with you?
2: I am um uh I am at both Mount Sinai uh and can be found uh on the uh Mount Sinai Medical Center Department of Dermatology website um in New York and I am also uh my other um office in Nanuet is also listed um people can google Heidi Waldorf and easily find me, or through the American Academy of Dermatology website. I'm listed there under Nanuet, New York.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for joining me this morning, and have a wonderful weekend. And listeners, if you've missed any episodes of Nip, Tuck Talk Radio, you can download it on iTunes, and all the episodes are available at Blog Talk Radio. And remember, you only have one face and one body, so choose wisely. And my website is www.niptuckcoach.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, again, at niptuckcoach.com. So thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful weekend. Bye now.
0: Thanks for listening to our show about the exciting Thermi-RF skin tightening technique. We hope you enjoyed listening to the nip Coach Radio. Join us next week for another exciting program about the world of cosmetic surgery and beauty. To learn more about Michelle Garber, go to www neptuckcoach.com To consult with Michelle directly call 415-494-7211